You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. This movie begins with a definition on screen. Sharper. Noun. Someone who lives by their wits. Now, what this means is unraveled over the course of the next hour and a half. Motivations are suspect and expectations are turned upside down as... Well, how do you convince people to see or not see a movie with twists and turns without revealing everything in the conversation of said movie? So... We'll be a little coy here as we unpack things, but we can speak more freely about performances and aesthetic. And I'd like everyone here to tell people whether or not they should see this or not see this and go ahead and be brief about your reason why. And then if people want to go check it out or not, they can listen to us speak a bit more at length after the fact. But anyhow, I am TC DeWitt of the Screener Squad, and I am joined to discuss the new Apple Plus A24 movie Sharper with Melina. Hello. And Bradley. Hello. And as I said, this is a very twisty and turny movie, so there is going to be some difficulty in exactly how we discuss this. But I'll just, as I said, in brief right now, what did you two think of this movie? Ah, man, speaking of twists and turns, that is the inside of my mind right now, because <laughs> I am still trying to figure it out. When, when I say figure it out, I don't mean what happened in this movie or what, or more specifically what happened at the end. Mm-hmm. It's one of those where I'm like, did I like or am I able to buy what happened at the end? Which is only mm-hmm. a concern to me because I would say for the whole of this movie, I was really, really buying into it and I was really enjoying it. And for me, I thought it was a very enjoyable film as well. Uh, I like Justice Smith. I think he's ready to, you know, take off, be a huge star. I've seen Detective Pikachu like 40 times, and I don't get bored of it. I think he's charismatic without being arrogant. He's got that confidence in his screen presence and good chemistry with all kinds of different actors. Mm -hmm. And I also really liked watching Brianna Middleton and Sebastian Stan. Yeah. It is so hard to catch a Sebastian Stan where he's not too creepy. I mean, I'm not (laughs) going to try and come down on his career choices. He plays a lot of scary creeps. So getting to see him as relatively a normal fun guy who has an edge to him. That dye job on his hair does not help. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, funny, I noticed that too. I did notice it was just a little too unreal. <laughs> a little too sleazy. <laughs> There's a sequence where Julianne Moore is like, I like young guys. And I'm like, is, is that supposed to be referring to Sebastian Stan? Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we do have Julianne Moore in this. And we also have the legend himself, John Lithgow is in this as well. Mm-hmm. So this is a very good cast, albeit small. Melina, you pointed out as we just got started here, this feels like a COVID movie. Mm-hmm. The scope of it is pretty well contained. It's shot magnificently in New York City, and you can see the size of the movie. But it's very, very limited in its cast. And that 
has a lot to do with probably when this was produced. Not that that's a bad thing necessarily, but it is something that did strike me as well as Melina, you pointed out as well that you noticed it. Yeah. Well, I only notice it because I've done enough reviews with you at this point to where you bring it up <laughs> and, I, and now it's like, okay, I kind of notice it ahead of time if I feel like that's what they're doing. Um, but I don't think it works to the film's detriment. In fact, this is, I think, very much, it is very much a noir in many ways. And I think that when it comes to noirs, having a limited cast can really work to its benefit. Because that mm-hmm. way, it hel- it really helps to keep its focus, which was a big problem with the movie that me and Brad just reviewed, Marlowe, which I think one of that film's many problems was that there just were too many characters with not enough of an impact to give you any sense of who they are beyond what place they're supposed to be taking up in the landscape yeah. of the genre, if that makes any sense. It makes absolute sense, because this is a very well-written script. In fact, this is a Blacklist script. If you're unfamiliar with the Blacklist... It is a Hollywood reserve. It is the best scripts any given year. These screenplays are typically like bid on by multiple studios because it's a surefire, solid piece of filmmaking. And Blacklist Scripts of the Past, I, I, I recommend taking a look because you'll find things on there like, oh, well, didn't expect Shawshank Redemption to be a script that every studio wanted it. At the time, people were like, why? What's the big deal about it? And then, lo and behold... We all know what that movie is. Stephen King. Now hand it over. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Timeless. Uh, The Black Phone is another example of a blacklist script that went up for grabs fairly recently where studios could see the true potential given the right director, given the right cast of a screenplay. Not all blacklist scripts live up to the potential that (laughs) that they have. Uh, But I think this one proves (laughs) itself... (laughs) Expendables is definitely not a blacklist script. It actually was. What? Get yes. out of here. <laughs> I I sit corrected. I apologize. But as a writer myself watching this, I, I can't help but just respect just how finely crafted this is. The limited cast of characters is really helpful. We know enough about every character when we're supposed to know it. Ultimately, how that all comes together in the end, yes, it does leave you having to evaluate everything you saw before as movies with twists and turns do. But... This is a very well-written script, and it's in the hands of a very excellent cast, I think. And helmed by a really great director who this is their first time at bat with a feature. Uh, yes, this is Benjamin Caron, who directed mm. three episodes of Andor, and this guy's good. Like He <laughs> has an eye, and he has a craftsmanship for tension and suspense. Which you kind of liked that show, didn't you? Uh, a little bit. I liked Andor <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> But this is being pitched as a suspense thriller, and I think that's a fair designation for this. But don't take this to think you're going to get car chases and knives thrust in stomachs kind of thriller. This is much more cerebral, twisty and turny character study. Well, the character of Max, like, the premise of this is there's a con man or a con person but what happens when the con's con is conning cons? And <laughs> con! See, it seems convoluted, but it works out. It works out in a weird way. For me, I started to wonder, okay, what isn't a con in this man's life? He's like mm-hmm. so deep all the time and juggling all these balls. I just don't know why anyone would bother to trust him about anything ever. But then, you know, when... You hear about the zeros that are on the table if you give this guy a chance into your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I, I guess. 
<laughs> you put enough numbers. It's kind of hard to say no to $720,000 cold. Just here you go. Here's a oh, check yeah. for that. Here's here's cold, hard cash. So you're going to walk away yeah. from that? Yeah, I mean, that was going to be my point. You put enough numbers in front of the decimal, and it's just a matter of, all right, what is any person's price? And how it's like, how do you play on people's willingness to accept the reality of every situation that they're put into and take advantage of their desperation, which is very much how cons are formed and how they continue to succeed. Cons definitely play on people's willingness to accept that what you are saying to them, that every person they come into contact with is honest. And Mm -hmm. why wouldn't you In, in life? You can't be suspicious of everyone's motives because that's just not a very convenient way to go about your day and cons play on that they play on everyday scenarios to make you feel safe to make you feel like you are in control and that is exactly how they flip the switch it's one of my favorite things about this movie is how well i felt every single one of these cons of which there are several Mm -hmm. how they played their hands and, and I appreciate the structure of this as well for when the turn, when the prestige of these magic tricks essentially happen, uh, that the, when the con pays off or when the revelation comes, where that's placed, this is broken up into chapters very nicely, mm-hmm. where you get all the information for a chapter, gives you a moment to evaluate it, and then we swing around and approach it from a different angle and swing around and approach it from a different angle, and it's... It's the dominoes are set up and fall very well. There's nothing so over the top that you don't believe it. Mm-hmm. Like for me, what works so well is just the shame of being tricked is enough. I think for a lot of people to be like, I have to let this go because I am so embarrassed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that that happened to me. And the film actually kind of dwells on that a bit. And I think that's really cool. These type of movies are always a hard watch to me. This one in particular was really hard to watch because I don't so much believe that these people are sophisticated, witty, and perceptive. They're absolutely perceptive, but the sophistication and the wit, I think, is bullshit. I just think they have absolutely no shame. Oh, yeah. They're they're sociopaths. But you can't be a successful sociopath without wit. (laughs) Yeah. One character asks another character at one point, do you not feel anything? And the other character says, no. Yeah, and he's so no, good. Just I don't. So good at it too. So <laughs> convincing, and I felt embarrassed too just watching it because, you know, about forty-five minutes in, I'm like, "Hey, wait a second. What about this? A few, a few things back. I think, I think he lied about that." And my <laughs> wife goes, "Oh, sweetie. <laughs> of course, of course, you're this late to realize that." <laughs> That's so cute, honey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he lies about everything, hon. How how have you not... Let's just keep watching. Oh, man. (laughs) One of the biggest compliments I can throw this movie in its various chapters is, I think, how well they end up playing into each other. Mm -hmm. I really feel like they come around full circle in a very clever, very well-thought-out way. But the chapters individually, I thought, were so well set up. These characters are extremely well-drawn, And I think that, yeah, in the hands of a lesser script, you'd definitely be identifying them more as, all right, well, here's the victim, here's the femme fatale, here's the big Mm -hmm. bad, here's the accomplice, there's the MacGuffin. And really, theres I was not looking at it that way, the the way that I was when I watched something like Marlowe, where that's all I could see, because Mm -hmm. these characters feel like real people. You know, even the people that from the beginning you suspect are not who they appear, and it's because they are 
written as very realistic, very charming. And that is how I feel like the movie successfully plays the con on the characters, but it's also kind of playing you because you mm-hmm. are constantly, you do constantly feel like, oh, they got me. Oh, I'm, I, I feel like I know where they're going and then it will flip the switch in a way that for most of it feels very earned. Yeah, and having someone like John Lithgow and Julianne Moore and Sebastian Stan specifically, I think they're the three highest profile characters here, they come with a little bit of audience preconceived notions. I've seen Julianne Moore in enough things, I've seen John Lithgow and Stan, Sebastian Stan in enough things, where I can make assumptions of, well, what type of characters do they often play, and then whether or not they live up to those expectations or defy them, it's conning me as the audience as, oh yeah yeah. Uh. yeah well especially with someone like julianne moore who i think is the perfect example of someone who you always come into a film with preconceived notions as to who they're going to be and the film is definitely very shrewd in that it knows that mm-hmm. it knows when you see john lithgow you're going to have some sort of presumption of how his character is going to play out and with the roles that Sebastian Stan has been taking over the last couple of years that, you know, have nothing to do with Marvel, it's the same thing with him, where I'm like, I just, you know, it's not just the hair, but just the characters that you've been playing <laughs> over the past few years have me suspicious of you right off the bat. Mm-hmm. They know that. One of the things that struck me about this as it started is it's an A24 movie that's just being released straight to Apple+. Plus. Mm. And Apple+, Plus has had a pretty good track record of their straight-to-streaming shows and movies, but they have a much smaller amount than stuff like Hulu and Netflix and Amazon have been pumping out and pumping out. So knowing this was an Apple Plus movie, I came in with some preconceived notions about that as well. When A24 hit the screen, I thought, oh, okay. A24 doesn't just do cerebral horror (laughs) That they do have movies like Everything Everywhere All at Once and Marcel the Shell. They don't have movies that I feel are for a general audience. This, as we've been describing it, we've been describing this con movie. Don't think you're going to get Ocean's Eleven. Don't think you're going to even get something like the Margot Robbie, Will Smith focus. Those are slick, cool, (laughs) honestly fun movies. While this is a good movie, it is a drama. This is very realistic and grounded and... I think that's where this movie proves itself worthy of the A24 label that comes with a certain quality Mm -hmm. of film. Well, yeah, I've never seen an A24 film that didn't have ambition for itself. Certainly not unrealistic ambition and certainly not like a Christopher Nolan caper. Right. This isn't Inception or Tenet, no. Yeah. They never feel that big in their ambition, but you're like, you're always going to get an intelligent script. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It may not be for you, but... I think that that has been what's been great for A24 and how it has really been working as a studio is that it makes films that it knows are not for, you know, your general audience. It's certainly not for everyone. If they get theatrical releases, they may stay very limited, but the audience for it is going to find it. Yeah. And there's never going to be, I've yet to see an A24 film where I'm like, well, that was just completely stupid or that was just a a complete dud. Mm Mm-hmm. And I didn't watch the trailer for this, and I'm glad I didn't because that trailer is kind of, kind of spoilery. Yep, agreed. But the A24 mm-hmm. comes up, and I'm like, oh, I, I didn't know this was A24. Do you, do you, do you still want to watch? And they're like, yeah, we'll watch. <laughs> and it opens up with Justice in his bookstore, and my mom-in-law, hi mom-in-law, she's like, ah, he's gonna have women in the basement, isn't he? Just dead, <laughs> frozen women in the basement. <laughs> Has she, she, not, has she seen Barbarian yet? 
It's no. not that kind of A24 movie. That's great. <laughs> yeah, not at all, not at all. <laughs> well, without going into any more spoilery territory, let's sort of wrap up to some final thoughts here. Bradley, why don't you go ahead and take the first go at it? Thank you. So this uh, this type of genre of movie, it isn't for me because I don't like feeling, I don't want to say stupid because anybody can be a mark, but I, I just fall so far behind on the how everything is a con constantly. There's a scene in this film where two characters suddenly kiss and my reaction was, ew, 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 what, what's <laughs> happening? And my mom-in-law looks over at me and she's like, Brad the thing you saw earlier was a trick that's a part of the con it's okay that they're kissing i was like that's not okay and then she explained it to me slowly and i went (laughs) oh yeah oh right so i hate that i hate feeling like that i do love how these characters are played i also love the other two characters who we open with, like I said earlier, Justice Smith, this Brianna Middleton, who I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more of. Hmm. This whole cast is wonderful. And I always like to see John Lithgow, whether he shows up to do nothing or whether he's playing a fun, you know, old stuffy millionaire. It's He's just great. He reminds me of so many things I've seen growing up. I'll always put my name down for a Lithgow performance. So, <laughs> again, it made me feel a little stupid. <laughs> But I kind of I kind of really enjoyed watching this. I didn't miss my phone at all, you know. I, I didn't get distracted by other things. It's surprisingly entertaining for the lack of, uh, as you mentioned, action scenes, and it's not extreme like a lot of A twenty four existential mind bending films. I really enjoyed the time I spent watching this too with family. I'm gonna give this one seven point five out of ten. Is that Rolex for real? <laughs> Damn it. I'm going to have to change my rating because <laughs> that's I was going to use Rolex watches too. <laughs> well, while I do that, Melina, go ahead. Um, well, I think that for, I would say the first half of this, I was really, really loving it. The dialogue, the characters, the way that they're built, the way that it's shot, even the score by uh, Clint Manzel, who most people know for frequently working with Darren Aronofsky. I think that it was starting to kind of fray a bit at the edges when it started focusing more on the character of Julianne Moore once it got to her chapter. But I was still enjoying it. I was like, I still don't know exactly what your end game is. And I really do like that I am watching a mystery where at this point in time, I'm still not totally predicting what's going to happen. And I'm still being consistently fooled at every turn. That's really hard to do when I'm just coming off of watching another noir that was so predictable at every turn that I was just like, maybe it's just impossible for me to be fooled anymore. Turns out I'm not. You can still get me. I thought that the resolution was the point where it started to really stretch. It asks a lot of you because I sat there afterward thinking, wait a minute, if that's how that works, then what happens if this person does this after the fact? Or how did this person even know that? And I hate that I can't talk about it because (laughs) it really is, I think, going to be the linchpin for people as to whether or not they come out liking this or not. This could be something that the ending, people may totally buy it and they may be completely all right with it, or it could be what ruins it for them. I will say I'm somewhere in between. It didn't ruin it for me, but it did bring it down. I just I did not feel like it was at anywhere near the level of intelligence that it had been through the entirety of its runtime up till that point. But 
it still wasn't enough to where I was like, oh, well, I'm not enjoying watching this. I very much enjoy the resolution. I just think it's a bit silly. But with that in mind, I think that this is something to watch for the dialogue. This is something to watch for how you really, you can create very complex characters and wow, tremendous performances, especially from the people who I was least familiar with as actors, uh, Brianna Middleton and Justice Smith. Yeah, Justice Smith really liked the two of them. In fact, I was like, I could watch a rom-com with the two of them. <laughs> I'm loving these characters and their interplay just that much. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give this a eight and a half out of ten signed copies of Jane Eyre, first hey. edition. <laughs> that's a that's a darn good book right there. Uh, yeah, I'm going to echo my friends here. This is an excellent, excellent cast. It is a very cool script. I see why this was a vied for blacklist script. I think the direction from Benjamin Caron here is great. I'm already a fan of his without realizing it. He did do three episodes of Andor, including the two last episodes of Andor Season 1, which I'm a huge fan of. And his direction, the score, the cinematography, there's so much working here to make a very good watch. I couldn't take my eyes off the screen because of the twists and turns and not wanting to miss a beat or miss a moment. I was compelled. I, I was with this through the end. I do hear what Melina's saying. This conclusion might rub people the wrong way. It might not be where you think it should have gone, but in general, I'm not mad at it. It's just one of those things of like, yep, this is where we got to go with a story like this. I guess there's worse ways this could go, uh, and there's also more fantastical, over-the-top ways it could have gone. It was... It was a very competent, well-done story through and through, and, and I do feel like the conclusion, at least as I'm sitting here still digesting it, having seen it today, uh, left me satisfied. I am mm-hmm. I'm happy to recommend this to people who want a bit smarter films of this genre. If you want something cool and snappy and fun, you want your Ocean's Eleven and your kaleidoscopes, sure, yeah, there's there's a place for that. If you want something a little more stuffy and really trite. You can look at stuff like Marlowe or some of the more modern noir films uh, since Melina has evoked that genre. This is good. This is very good, and I think it lives up to the label of A24 and Apple+. And I'm happy to have seen it, and I'm happy to have discussed it here with you. And once we stop recording, we can start discussing the twists and turns we couldn't reveal here. So I'm going to give this... an. <laughs> Eight out of ten months of $60,000 allowance, which <laughs> apparently wasn't good enough. <laughs> <laughs> I did the math on that real quick. I'm like, $720,000 up front? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. I'll go away. You'll never see me again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, can I interest either of you two in this genuine watch here? It's very nice. I... It's invisible. Oh, damn it. They're on to me. Bradley, run. 